we would take a break every three months and we would travel away with each other, away from our house, away from the children, away from the animals to really have that time to reconnect as a couple without distractions. Hi, everyone. We are so glad you're here on Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. I'm Jill Farmer, one of the co-hosts of the podcast, as well as one of the lead coaches at Doc Working. And we want you to remember, today is brought to you by Doc Working Thrive, our subscription coaching service just for physicians to help you thrive in these challenging times. We can help you work through burnout. We can help you find peer support from physicians all around the country. It's a great program. Check it out today at docworking.com. I'm so glad that you have joined us for what I think is going to be a wonderful and really helpful conversation. We are very lucky today to be joined by Dr. Jeet Nam and his wife, Vanessa. And Dr. Nam has been a physician for over 30 years, now turned coach. Dr. Jeet and Vanessa work together to coach other health professionals in relationships on how to have better relationships. And so we are really excited to be joined by both of you in this conversation. Thanks for being with us today. It's our pleasure, Jill. Thank you so much for having us on. Absolutely. Thank you. So let's dive right in. Tell us a little bit about why the two of you have decided to direct your life's passion and your work toward helping other couples who are in the healthcare profession thrive in their marriages. The reason why we chose to do this is because Early on in our marriage, we were working through our church and we were doing marriage coaching through our church. And we did it for about 24, 25 years. And also what we discovered through that is when you have marriage coaching, it's about your relationship. It's about communication, things like that. But the sex part isn't intertwined with that. So what we wanted to do was combine our years of doing marriage coaching on a volunteer basis and transform that and marry it with a sex coaching practice as well. So I became trained in the somatica method. It's a method that is more somatic based so that we get not only our heads in the game, but we also get our bodies in the game too and try to combine those together. So what we find is that the combination of these two is really a game changer. Let me add to that. I'll give you a little history about me. I grew up in a physician marriage, a very dysfunctional physician marriage. My grandfather was also a physician. Problems there. Problems in my parents' marriage with the dysfunction. A lot of abuse. Mostly verbal, mostly emotional. Lots of disrespect. Lots of trust issues. And unfortunately, infidelity. And so... Early on, you know, my thoughts were, this doesn't have to be this way. There really is no excuse for this. So as I grew up and saw this more and more and eventually ending up with my parents being separated, separated for three years in all of the hell that it caused in the family, I'm like, I'm not going to allow this to happen. With my father, a lot of his friends were physicians. You know, you hear all kinds of stories about nurses in the hallway, the broom closet, the stairwells. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Fast forward, go to medical school, finish medical school, and Vanessa and I get together. 
Now, Vanessa, she comes from a marriage divorced, lots of verbal, emotional abuse, disrespect, a lot of those same things that I saw my mother go through growing up. And so we, as she said, were doing the marriage coaching. I said, you know, this really needs to be about our colleagues. I mean, we've seen how it is. We continue to see how it is. There's lots of things, unfortunately, that still take place that took place 50, 60 years ago. With the spouse, there's still a lot of trust that goes in when you hear, okay, I'm going to be at the hospital making rounds, or I'm going to go to a pharmaceutical rep dinner. There's a lot of trust that has to be there. And unfortunately, my father took advantage of that trust. And my mother never knew. Like I said, in training, still saw that going on. And I said, we got to help put a stop to this. And then there's a lot of reasons why it happens. I understand. Maybe there's a thought that the spouse, male or female, just doesn't get the rigors of the job. There's an issue with disconnection or not being able to disconnect coming home. A number of things that enter into it. But having gone through all that generational physician dysfunction, you know, I come from a very informed point of view of how to prevent that from happening. And when it does happen, knowing what to do to resolve it. And Vanessa couldn't do this without her. Excellent. I love that you both took what was some pain and suffering in your own background, Dr. Jeep, through your own dysfunctional parents' marriage and even grandparents' marriage and then Vanessa, your own experience and said, let's figure out a better way. So let's begin to talk about the better Absolutely. way. <laughs> I think that's what everybody wants to hear from us today. What are some of the challenges that you guys see in your physician couple clients that seem to show up time and time again? And what's one of the most important things you help physicians identify about that challenge to be able to move forward in a better way? I think one of the biggest challenges in what we are finding is disconnection, whether it is with physicians that are in a two-physician family, or if it's physician and the partner is not a physician. It's really the stress of the job, and especially through COVID, there are so many challenges. We're hearing docs say, you just can't believe what I go through on a daily basis. And I come home and either I'm afraid to talk to my wife about it, so I suffer in silence, or she really can't understand me. And so what we do, and that's what the somatic training that comes into play is we dig down deep into empathy and compassion and also start at the beginning. Why did you get married in the first place? What brought you two together? What excited you? And then when do you think it started moving apart? Sometimes they can't tell when it started moving apart. They really don't know. And then it's like life just is on autopilot. And one day you wake up and it's like, wow, we're just not communicating about our feelings. So therefore, we get them back in touch with that. And he's well, itching to talk right now. What I can tell you is our coaching is modeled after our lives. There's not going to be and there hasn't been anything hidden. Like, for instance, disconnection. I'll give you an example of that. Early in our marriage, Vanessa was managing my office. What we did was absolutely the wrong thing. 
I was still a resident. She was pregnant with our first. We were moving back home and where we live is in Wheeling, West Virginia. So we were moving into a new house. I was starting a new practice. All of this stuff was happening at once. And when I've had clients that have said, oh, you did that. And I said, yeah, I did that. Not too smart, was it? And I said, don't you do it either. <laughs> so anyway, Vanessa delivered. We had a baby. Starting the practice, she was running the practice. Maybe four o'clock, she'd come home. I'm still out rounding the hospital. And starting out, you go to a number of hospitals, you try to build your practice. So there's oftentimes I wouldn't get home till seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. And I come home, first thing I want to do is disconnect. I want to go sit in a chair, look at NCIS. I don't want to think of anything except to be immersed in this television show. You know, after a while, Vanessa's like, uh, this really isn't fair. And I said, you know, you're right. It's not. And she said, well, you know, we both agreed to have kids. We both agreed that I was going to be involved in the practice. We both agreed that this was going to be a joint effort. And I said, you know, you're right. And so the kind of agreement we came to was that I would come home I would watch TV for an hour and then depending on how many kids we had at the time, then we'd have dinner, one would do the bath, one would take the kids to bed, read the book, and then we'd come downstairs, go to the sitting room and she would vent on her day. And that seemed to work pretty well. As a aside, that was something my mother was never given the opportunity to do when I was growing up because my father was always like, what you do is not nearly as important as I do. I'm the doctor. I'm the breadwinner. Doesn't matter that you take care of the house, take care of the kids, get them to school, do all of this. That doesn't matter. Basically, you are less than me. And so I needed to be reminded Subtly as it was, there's other parts of my life besides the practice of medicine. And that's how we worked it out. And I needed to dig down deep and find the courage to be able to speak to him and not suffer in silence. And unfortunately, that's what we see. You know, we have this innate thing that we're trying to protect ourselves. We suffer in silence because we're protecting ourselves instead of connecting with each other. So there are tools that we use to help the spouses connect with each other and get back on the road to becoming a team again. Yeah, that's a big word, team. Huge. Yeah. Beautiful. You identified that one of the biggest obstacles and challenges that Mm -hmm. physician couples come into, whether they're both physicians or one or the other in the couple is a physician, is disconnection. Life is happening. There's a lot of intensity, busyness at work, and then they get home and they have their own agendas and then that disconnection happens. So what are tools that you try to share with somebody or what is a tool that might be helpful for our listener if they're really identifying and saying, oh gosh, that's us. We are just headed on two separate highways and going on two different directions, even though we're under the same roof. Absolutely. What we have learned over time and also found to work is what we term a love huddle. And it's essentially coming together and writing to each other and trying to connect with those feelings of love and not taking for granted the other partner. So we'll start out with questions. And by the way, in Dr. Nam's book, What's Forever For, chapter nine is devoted to teaching 
how to do the love huddle. There was criteria that you need to follow when you write. It's a beautiful way to paint the picture to your spouse about how you're feeling. It just gets you connected right into the moment and gets you dialed in for feeling empathy and compassion for one another. And it's a good way if you're going to be talking about a topic and it's a very non-threatening way instead of sitting there with raised voices saying things that you don't want to say, but the heat of the moment, it's getting too hot. Like I'll give you another, for instance, with Vanessa and I. For anybody that thinks that if a problem has not been resolved before you get married, that when you put the ring on the finger that it's going to resolve? No, no. And something huge for us was the number of children that we were going to have. I come from a big family. I have two brothers and two sisters, and I'm the oldest. So I love growing up with brothers and sisters. There's always somebody to play with, always somebody to do things. Vanessa had agreed to one, and I said, I don't think it's fair. Now, there are times when you can't have more than one, but it was my opinion that an only child just wasn't fair. My mother was an only child. She always wished that she would have had a sibling. So... Before we were married, we argued. It was the only thing really that we significantly argued about. Mm -hmm. And it always resulted in Vanessa crying and me feeling bad. And so we just left it until after we got married. Big mistake. And so what we decided to do was in this non-threatening way, do the love huddle. Basically, you sit there and write and you exchange and then you read what the other's written. And so that takes about 20 minutes. You've been focusing on the problem, what you want to say mm -hmm. without it being out loud and not being interrupted. And then you read and then you discuss and it diffuses all of that stress, possible hard feelings, whatever. And it allows you to have a civil discussion without the anger and the regrettable words that can happen. I find with some of my physician clients, and I don't do any relationship coaching, but I'll hear from one physician that a stressor in their life often is tension within the relationship. And what I hear a lot of times from my physician clients is they're trying to logically explain why the other person should understand things from the same perspective. So I want to hear that it's only showing up in my practice, or if you guys are seeing that in your coaching practice, and if so, how do you deal with that? Yeah, you know, we've also struggled with that because he wants to fix everything. And I'll say, I don't need you to fix this. I don't need you to find a solution, give me options, whatever. I just need you to listen to me. I just need you to dial in, connect with me, and just feel what I'm feeling. We have struggled with the fix it thing. And also because she's not a physician, although... You know, we've been together 31 years. She knows the lingo. She knows an awful lot about it. She knows things that I've taught her. But sometimes we can get, I don't know if distracted is the word, but we get engrossed into talking in our physician language about what's going on and trying to make this more complicated than it really is. And sometimes she'll have to say, True. you don't need to go into that. You know, <laughs> let's just focus on what we're talking about. But you know, as physicians, and you know this, it's what we're trained to do is fix. That's what we think, that we can fix everything. And in fixing it, present our point of view of how we're going to fix it when 
It may not be how she wants to have it fixed or he. So if you don't work on that, and this is about communication, we live busy lives and sometimes we have to schedule communication. Okay, Wednesday, an hour when we get up or an hour before we go to bed, let's talk. Too many times, that's just not the case in our colleagues' households. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Scheduling time to have communication. And then I would add to that, making sure the communication includes sharing and listening, right? Because a lot of times what we're calling communication is our chance to state our case as if we're in front of the judge in order to win our perspective. So talk a little about that, if you would. We recognized this early on and a commitment that we made to each other was that whether we needed it or not, we would take a break every three months and we would travel away with each other, away from our house, away from the children, away from the animals, to really have that time to reconnect as a couple without distractions. So that was something that really helped us out. And what we would do is sit the kids down mm-hmm. because the kids would say, well, could we go with you, mommy and daddy? Uh, no. And we would explain it, you know, mommy and daddy need to go away to spend time on themselves. So when we get back that we can focus on you and be good mommy and daddies for you. And our kids always understood that. Our youngest is 18 now, he's still in the house, but we have one who's married and one who's in law school, but they all understood that. But it's not something you say the first time you leave, you have to repeat it every time before you go. And they get it. They understood it. And then what we were also trying to do is model good married behavior to them so that they understand the importance of really needing to get that time together. I love that. And I think that intentionality is something that sometimes also surprises some physicians because they haven't paid attention to what makes marriage successful necessarily. And so there's a presumption that it's just thing that adults do and it should work itself out. And so there seems to be a surprise sometimes that it's like, actually, there's some strategies and tactics and intentionality that needs to come into this, just like in your medical practice exactly. and help it be successful. Do well you guys said. agree with that? Oh, oh absolutely. absolutely. And what just came to my mind was, I'm speaking as a non-physician to physicians, you all are experts in what you do, perfectionists at what you do. Marriage and the tricks of the trade and the tools, you're not practicing that because you've spent a lot of time and energy doing what you're an expert at. So don't beat yourself up if you really need some help with that, because in the journey, you will find that there are so many tools that you will discover and just life goodies along the way that is really going to be nourishing for you. I mean, we've brought couples from the brink of divorce, but Mm -hmm. there has to be this willingness to work from both sides. It can't just be one, oh, let's start this and maybe I'll catch on. No, because then it's unfair to your partner. It's a joint effort, which always needs to be, Mm -hmm. always needs to be, but unfortunately isn't a lot. And like I think he said a little earlier is that we are modeling this behavior. So not only are they seeing it, but they're hearing it, they're watching it, getting as many of their senses involved into seeing this relationship really goes a long way. Fantastic. What would both of you have your final thoughts be to our physician listeners 
as they are seeking to improve their partnerships and to hopefully do what you have given us as an inspiration to maybe be together for 31 years or beyond in those partnerships if we can. First thing, Jill, is if you're having trouble, you're not alone. You're not alone. You have a lot of people out there that are in the same position. Never let it get to the point where you think there aren't any other answers. But if you do get there, know that there's help out there. Know that there's ways to get through this. Know that these clouds, that sunlight can break through. I mean, there's been other things that have happened with us. And at another time when we get together, we'll we'll talk about that. Some difficult things that with teamwork and a true unyielding desire to make this relationship work and have that on both sides, it can work and you can get through most anything. Firmly believe that. I want to thank both of you, Dr. Jeep and Vanessa Nam, who have spent now decades, not only Dr. Nam supporting patients through your career as a professional physician, but also the two of you supporting couples as they move together to try to create a successful and long-term marriage. So thanks for your candor about your own experiences. I think we can all take in those stories and recognize those in our own lives as well. And if people want to reach out to you to get more information about what it is you do, how can they find you? You could go to our website, which is www.bestfriendsagain.com. And why we say best friends again is you need to be each other's best friend when you get married. There shouldn't be another best friend. It needs to be your spouse or your fiance. And people get away from that. And I have to give credit where credit's due. Vanessa came up with that best friends again. And I'm like, it's perfect. Because if you've strayed from that, you need to get back to that. So you can get a hold of us there. I'm on LinkedIn. So is Vanessa. Mm -hmm. Their business page on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook as well. My book's on Amazon. It was a labor of love to write. There will be another one at some point whenever I have time to write the sequel. (laughs) Also, there is a space on our website where you can download a free chapter of the book. Chapter nine. So if people want more information, they can go to bestfriendsagain.com, find your book on Amazon, as well as LinkedIn and Facebook as well. Thank you guys so much for sharing in this conversation with us. And thanks to all of our listeners who joined us as well today. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. We always love to hear your comments and feedback. And don't forget to go right now to docworking.com to find out how you can avoid burnout, be treated from burnout if you're experiencing it now through our Doc Working Thrive program. Until next time, I'm Jill Farmer. I'm Amanda Taran, producer of Doc Working, the Whole Physician podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and head over to DocWorking.com to see all we have to offer.